Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this visible reminder that you are a God of light. That you are the very light which brought light to our souls where we were in darkness, where we were without you, where we were filled with death. Thank you for this visible reminder that there is hope in Jesus Christ and his blood shed for us. And Lord, may we be reminded of what you've done for us so that we would in gratitude reach the world that you have put us in with the love of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we open your word this morning, may you show our souls the glories of what is waiting for us so that we would lift our heads and see our God, so that we would have hope when we look at the wind and the waves around us every day and we tend to see our feet. Lord, lift our heads to see the coming King, we pray. And help us as we then serve you to the world around us. May your Spirit teach us As we look at your word, we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Back in 1903, the Wright brothers invented their little plane called the Wright Flyer. And um, if you just go to the next slide, by the way, um, it's about heaven today and we're not talking about A380s in heaven, alright? But the right flyer was what they'd invented and it was, it had a 12.3 metre wingspan, which is not too big today, and it flew for 100, it flew for 37 metres only. And that was the first powered flight. So if you go to the next slide, if you look at the last engine over here, from here to about there is round about the length, of the wingspan of that little plane. And the first flight that did was from there to there. How things have changed. If you'd said to those Wright brothers, one day there'll be an aircraft based on the principles that you guys have shown us and on board they can load 840 people in specific configurations and on board will be television screens and you can watch over 400 different programs simultaneously. And there would be sleeping bunks there for those who don't go the way I always travel in cattle class. Sleeping bunks. And, and if you go on Emirates, you can even have your own lounge suite and bedroom with a shower right in the nose of the plane. That would upset you if they're in New Zealand. What are you on, bro? You've been... On the backy. They would have said impossible. And yet, there we have it. And unfortunately I didn't fly in one of these. I was confined to Qantas Airways and flying a clapped out old Jumbo 747 stretch. But you know, for us living in 2018, when we read God's Word sometimes, 
and we read, especially what we're going to read today, the reaction is, how can it be? It's impossible. Just try and see what we're reading today with modern eyes, the community around us. And it seems impossible, and yet, God says it's true. And so far in history, hasn't what he's predicted and prophesied about come true? So what stops him from the rest of this? We need to remind ourselves of the realities of the impossible becoming possible. And so when we come to the claims of God's word today, believe it. Because your eyes will tell your heart something else. Psalm 13, and we are in Revelation, I know. Psalm 13 says this. And this might be the cry of your heart. I don't know what's been facing you this week and where you're at spiritually. How long, O Lord? How long will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my inner be be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Those are the possibilities with God and they will come true for you. So let's see what God has to say for us in this specific passage that we're in. And we're getting to the end of the studies in the book of Revelation. What is the hope that he spells out for us? And Let's just read together in Revelation chapter 21 verses 22 to 27. Last week we looked at the new Jerusalem descending from the Lord, from heaven. And Michael spelt out some of those things which are described there. And we continue in the study of the new Jerusalem and what is contained in it. Verse 22 of chapter 21. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord willing, next week we'll carry on looking at this beautiful picture of what is there waiting for us, the hope that is before us. You see, this question of how long, O Lord, is repeatedly asked in the book of Revelation. And it's the question we need to be asking constantly as we live our lives in 2018. How long, O Lord, 
Come Lord Jesus. Why? What's there to look forward to? And this is a little picture of what there is to look forward to. As we get to the closing chapters in this book of Revelation, we have this constant scene coming out of it all the time. The end is near. The end is near. This, the end. It's not just the point in time that is near. What else is near? I'll tell you what's near. It's the personal, visible meeting with God Himself. Think of what I've just said. The end is near. When the end comes, it is only the beginning. But we will have a personal, visible meeting with God Himself. Wow. And that's not all. There's more here. The end means that we will receive our inheritance promised to us. And this picture that's shown to us today gives us a little bit about that inheritance. Who will inherit? Revelation says over and over, the one who overcomes will inherit. Chapters 2 and 3. Who will inherit? Those who persevere. Those who overcome what comes against us in this life. Who's our example of him who overcame? Jesus Christ himself. What did he overcome? He endured temptation. He endured the rejection of men. He was obedient to his Father. Those are the three things. He endured temptation. He endured the rejection of men and you might have experienced some of that already. And he was obedient to his Father. And so what's the entry requirement into the new Jerusalem? It's to be like Jesus. How was Jesus? He was pure. What is the entrance requiry into the new Jerusalem? Purity. Is it possible on our own? No. That's why we need Jesus Christ. Purity can only be found in Jesus. And that's why in chapter 19, and I'm trying to summarize very quickly, that's why in chapter 19, as we come to the end of this book, we have this picture of the bride of Christ coming to meet him. Who is the bride of Christ? Those who are saved by the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so here we have this picture of the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven. And as Michael pointed out to us last week, who is the new Jerusalem? Those who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. The saints. And I'm going to touch on that again. Now, while I was away, you would have touched very briefly on the new heavens and the new earth. Now, don't give up. We're going to go into a little more detail on that next week when we look at the river of life running out in heaven. But it's going to be very different to now. There's going to be so much more than this heaven and this earth that we've got. Let's look at that again next week. So what is this new Jerusalem? The question, what is the new Jerusalem, is actually the wrong question. What we should be asking, and the more correct question is, who is the New Jerusalem? Not what is 
the New Jerusalem. Because as we've seen, the New Jerusalem is no rebuilt physical city. The New Jerusalem are the people of God going to be with Him. And we've seen that in this book of Revelation. Where's the proof of what I've just said? Go back to Revelation 21 verse 9 to 11. There's the link you need to see this morning. Revelation 21 verse 9 to 11. He's describing the new Jerusalem. But look at the description. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. You got that? And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me. What did he show me? He showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. There's the link you have. So what is the new Jerusalem? It's the bride of Christ. In this picture that John is trying to bring to us. And what's the point of all this imagery? You see, it's Old Testament temple language imagery here. It's speaking about worshipping God. Being in the very presence of God. No longer are we confined to a tabernacle where God would meet with His people. No longer are we confined to a temple where we have to come and worship God. But God is in the very presence of His new Jerusalem, of His people. That's the picture, the imagery here. And so you don't just walk into the New Jerusalem. God is in the New Jerusalem. It's a holy place because God is there. And so if we want access to Him, we have to come through Jesus Christ. And then we have unrestricted access to Him. I'll come back to these things. So as we look at our text this morning, there are a few things that John doesn't see. And the first thing that John doesn't see in the New Jer Jerusalem is there is no temple. The text says so. And what's the reason for this? Well, let's look at what the text says, verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city. Why? For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Now take note of those names. Why is there no temple in the city? Because the Lord God Almighty is its temple. Why specifically that name? That is the Old Testamental name for Yahweh. The unmentionable name. Lord God Almighty is its... He is present. And not just that, and the Lamb is present. So what's that all about? Well, that's the New Testamental working out of the promises of God in the Old Testament. Do you see the connection? There is no temple because the Lord God Almighty and all of the promises contained in the Old Testament and the Lamb, all the promises contained through Jesus Christ in the New Testament are present there. In the Old Testament there was temple worship. Who was temple worship initiated by? God Himself. Way back in the desert, in Exodus chapter 24 to 26, God brought about this design of the tabernacle where they, He would meet with His people among them. And He made this old covenant with them. I will walk among you. 
I will be your God and you will be my people. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 12. And then as the nation came out of the desert and they settled in the land of Israel, God gave them the designs to build this temple on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And they built it. And they worshipped God there. And it was broken down as they were conquered. And they built it up again. And it was broken down. And they built it up again. And today, it's nothing of what it was like then. But you see, it was only a picture of a far bigger reality to come. And the reality is what we're looking at here. What was the Old Testamental temple a picture of? Well, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, we see what that picture was. Because there we told about Jesus Christ, the foretold Messiah who came and He became the final and once for all sacrifice, the Lamb, for our sins and for those who would be saved. And no more was there need of temple or a temple sacrifice because Jesus had come. And there was now a new covenant in His blood. We've just looked at that this morning. There was now a new covenant in His blood. God would now dwell in the hearts of men. Do you see the progression here? But there's still not what we're talking about here. Because even though God dwells with men now, we still can't see Him with our physical eyes, can we? Anyone seen God? I look forward to that day. When we can see God, because this is what's being described here. You see, there's a further part, there's a bigger picture, there's something which is impossible, but it's possible, because he said it's going to be possible, we are going to see God with these eyes. God, the one who is holy, we can't see him now, why? Because we are still unholy, even though we are holy. We've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't know about you, and I know about me. My life is tainted by sin. Every single day, ask my wife. We are tainted by sin. And as long as we are held in these bodies, we are tainted by sin, even though we are saved by grace. But there is a freedom coming and that is this freedom being described here when we are in the new Jerusalem and there is no temple there because we will dwell with God and He will dwell with us and we will see Him with our eyes. That's what Job spoke about. I will see my Redeemer with His very own eyes. No other man will see Him, but I will see Him with my own eyes, says Job. He understood You see, this new Jerusalem, there is not a temple there because God fills it. He is its temple. And in the new Jerusalem, there is no place for ritual or for priest because the great high priest is present, Jesus Christ. And we, His people, will be in His presence all the time and He will dwell with us as His being. And when we're in that new Jerusalem, nothing will mask God from us because our sin will be completely taken away. We will see God as He is, says Scripture. 
Isn't that an amazing thing? I haven't heard one Armenian, yet, so it means I'm not communicating. You see, in Christ our sin has been paid for, but in practice we experience our own weakness and our own fallibility. Yes, or is it just me? But we will be made perfect and we will be in God's very presence and we won't need to go to a specific place to worship God. There's going to be no worship services at Wanganui East Baptist Church in heaven. I'm sorry to say, but we will be worshipping God all the time while we go about the new heavens and the new earth serving Him. I don't know what that's going to be like, but all the time we'll be worshipping Him because He'll be with us. And as we look up, we'll see God. We've already started worshipping Him in this way, but it's going to be perfected. Think about it. And the sad thing is today that Judaism would have us believe that the physical temple in the current city of Jerusalem will be rebuilt on a greater scale than ever before. Why? You see, they've limited themselves to the five books of Moses. That's only a small part of the picture. We need to read the whole of God's Word. And His whole Word says, and this verse specifically refutes, that there will be a physical temple in the new Jerusalem. John didn't see a temple there. And he's had a sneak peek. It's a bit like, and no illustration is perfect, but let's say I approached KFC International. I flew all the way to America, wherever that is, and I went to them and said, listen, I'd like it a fantastic branch of KFC here in Wanganui. I know there is one, but just go with it. And they said, okay, we can consider that, but come back to us in a week. And so I'll go back in a week. And they said to me, um, well, actually, you know what, we've been thinking about it. You're such a fantastic person, we think you're the ideal one for KFC. We're not going to just give you KFC in Wanganui. We're going to give you KFC International. How's that? And you don't have to pay for that. In actual fact, Colonel Saunders himself is going to be with you all the time. You're going to have the whole KFC franchise. Is that good news? I can feel it already. But what's my reaction? Oh, actually, I just want KFC in Wanganui. I'll be happy with that one. You see... If we limit ourselves to this, there's going to be a physical temple in, in a built-up Jerusalem, that's the, that's the image we're sticking to. But there's so much bigger for us. Why stick to the small picture? The Lord says, I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. And that's going to be finally and perfectly fulfilled in the new Jerusalem. Jew and Gentile who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be there. And we will be the Israel of God. Those who are saved. Galatians 6.6 And we'll have perfect worship of God because we are with Him 
And we can see Him with us. I hope you buoyed up a little bit by that message. What else doesn't John see? There's no temple, but there's something else here. He doesn't see any sun or moon. Verses 23 to 24. And what's the reason for that? And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Why? For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. Who's there now? The Father and the Son. So there's no sun or moon. So how does that work? You see, we're not speaking necessarily, and I've had no sneak preview of heaven. Sorry to say that as well, alright? John did, I haven't. We don't necessarily know everything that there is to know about heaven. We don't know if there is going to be a sun or moon, but in John's picture, and you need to keep with me on what he's trying to describe here, he says there was no sun or moon. We're not necessarily speaking physical, astronomical configurations here. In the same way as in chapter 21 verse 1, there is no sea in the new heavens and new earth. He's not necessarily speaking about hydrology there. Water. There's more here, you see. The lack of sea in the testamental thinking that we're in here, they saw the sea as a place of death, where evil dwelt. It was a place of the unknown, of chaos, of disorder, of fear, of mystery, where danger existed. That's where the beast came. It came from the sea. And in the new heavens and new earth, there will, it says there will be no more sea. Now, he's not necessarily saying that there will be no more physical sea, but he is saying that there will be no more death, no more evil, no more chaos, no more disorder, no more danger and fear. All the results of the old fallen world, because there will be a new creation. And here the sun, in the same way, there'll be no sun or moon. The sun was all about a source of life. John was speaking about light earlier today. The sun was a source of life. Without the sun there would be no crops. The animals wouldn't grow. There would be starvation. Without the moon, and the moon was seen as a planet of mystery in the, in the time of, think, of, the thinking, of thinking in John's day. And the nations around Israel saw the moon as the thing to fear. But the moon was very important for the cultivation of crops. You had those phases of the moon. You had to plant the crops in a specific phase and you had to harvest them in another phase of the moon. Fishing was determined by phases of the moon. And as we do science today, we know it's to do with gravity and all kinds of things and tides. And the nations around foretold, so-called, their future through astrology and the moon as well. And so everyday existence depended on the sun and the moon. But in the New Jerusalem, there will be no sun or moon. What's John's symbolic picture saying here? He's saying there's a bigger point here. God's glory is Jerusalem's light. What did we hear this morning from John? God is light. So when God's there, there's no need of sun because He supersedes by far. And there is no need of moon. God will be the provider, the one who is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide our every need in the new Jerusalem. 
And the amazing thing is that we'll see God with our very own eyes. You see, in the past, even Moses couldn't look at God directly. What happened to Moses in the past? He said, I want to see God. And so what did God do? He said, right, come here. And he put him behind a rock. And God passed by and he only allowed Moses to see the back of God. Because otherwise Moses would have died. And yet when Moses came down the hill, his encounter with God, just seeing the back of God, was so much that his face was glowing in, in so far that the people looked at him and they were afraid. Now Moses was, was in the face of such brilliant light. We are going to see God as well. So we don't need a sun and a moon. God will be our source of light. He will be our provider. He will be our source of life and existence. That's this picture we're looking forward to. John saw no night, verses 25 to 26. Well, in John's day, night was a time of danger. That's why they built cities with city walls. Otherwise, why build a wall? And at night time was when enemies would come and invade. At night time was when thieves would come and break in, when it was dark. In the New Jerusalem, says John, in his picture, there will be no night. There will be no danger. What can still attack us once Jesus Christ comes? Because he would have dealt with evil. Evil would finally be dealt with. Nothing evil is going to rise up and attack us in the New Jerusalem. Satan and his servants, his followers, sickness and death will no longer will be able to affect us. City gates will never be closed again. Do you get the theological point here? It will be a place of ultimate security because God is there. And people will come in and they'll bring their tribute and your Bible might say they will bring their glory to God. It is His glory their tribute to Him, and there'll be no exception. All who come into those gates will bring their glory to Him. Why? Because there'll be no more divisions, no more barriers, no more exclusions because of race or politics. In the New Jerusalem, every knee shall bow. Why? Because every heart has already bowed to Christ on earth. All those who enter in in the New Jerusalem had already bowed their hearts to Christ while they were on this earth. There is no more time once you are over with this earth to still bow your heart to Christ if you haven't yet. The time is now. While you have breath in your lungs, that is when you must bow if you want to be one who will walk into the New Jerusalem. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King. Why? Because every tongue had already confessed on earth that He is Lord. Only while you live can you confess the name of Jesus Christ and be saved. After this life, there is no more time. You see, it's all a vision about Him and about Christ-centered worship. John carries on, he says, and there will be nothing unclean or impure, and there will be no evil person there, verse 27. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be able to enter or to be a part of that city. 
Listen carefully to me now. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to be completely and utterly clean? What would it be like to never to have uttered an unkind word to anyone? Never, never to have had an unkind thought about anyone. Never. What would it be like to never ever to have lost your temper in unjustified anger? I, I yearn for it. But what would it be like to never ever have done that? What would it be like to never ever have lusted? Never. Not once. And the positive side of that, what would it be like to always, always have loved God with all your heart, every single part? What would it be like? What would it be like to always have loved others like yourself, without exception? Think about it. That's the way heaven will be. We'll be pure. And that means never will have entered into our hearts. But, says Scripture, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, will be able to enter in and be part of that city. There's the exclusion clause and the inclusion clause. There's only one way to experience what we're talking about here, and that is to come to Jesus Christ. And the moment you come and He saves you is when He writes you into His book of life. Do you get the picture? And once you've written up in that book of life, the Lamb's book of life, no one can take you out there. No one can press down and take you out. You are forever saved by His grace. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Oh, my Lord. It's an old spiritual. But it's so true. You see, there are many today talking about Jesus and how they've been saved. But they are not saved. Because they've got religion. And they have not have their names written into the Lamb's book of life because they have not yet trusted Christ fully. Everything. Christ in the steering seat of your life, not you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, Jesus says this. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but he who does the will. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles and go to church to so many sermons? Sorry, I'm mad living there. And he will say to them, and the scripture says, then I will tell them plainly so that they can understand. I never knew you. Away from me, you evil. There's the reality of this reality of the New Jerusalem. So what do we do with this? I've got three questions I want to put to you. First question is this. Is heaven and the New Jerusalem going to be a physical place? I'm not going to answer all of that now. We'll look at some of that next week. So there's the rider for you. Come back next week and come and hear. But unequivocally, I'll answer you this morning. Yes, it is a physical place. It's not just the state of mind we're going to be in, as some will try and teach today. We are going to physically be in the new heavens and the new earth. We will see God with our very own physical eyes in the new bodies He will give to us. And we will live in the new heaven and earth. So don't get a small picture of heaven. The picture of heaven is so much richer if you can get hold of these theological truths that John has been trying to describe to us here. Heaven will be us being in the very presence of God and being able to see Him physically in all His glory for the rest of eternity. It's the start of eternity. I look forward to the day. Come Lord Jesus! I want to see you with my eyes. I want you to say with me, I know we never do this, only on TV they do Just say with me please. Because I don't know if you're getting this. I will be in the very presence of God. I will be able to see Him in all His glory. I will see Him for the rest of eternity. Does your heart see that? And so the second question follows up from there, and that is this. Are you ready? How can you get into the Lamb's book of life? Because that's the only way. And the question I have to ask you is, the only way you can get into this is, have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ alone? Not in your religion, not in your good works, have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ alone? Only He can save. His blood was shed on the cross to cover your sin and mine. If you don't trust Him, you will also be one of the unseen things in heaven. You won't be seen there. But you will be alive because Scripture in the rest of Revelation also says you will, be, you will be around. But you will experience a very different reality. You won't see anything of this indescribable beauty of seeing God in all His splendor. You will live the opposite reality in this place that He describes called hell or the lake of fire, Revelation 20. Think again of my A380. 
These things sound impossible, but God says they will be there. So we'd better believe it. And God has created this lake of fire and hell for those who have denied Him and His Son and have turned their backs on Him and said no. And so I plead with you this morning as a pastor and as a messenger of the gospel of grace, come to Jesus Christ and be saved while you still have breath. And then lastly, for you and I as believers, here's the question to you. How can you and I prepare for life in the new Jerusalem? Because we can get ready now. How do we get ready for it now? Well, what about those challenges that come across us every way, every day? Are we persevering as God's children? Are we following the Lamb? What did the Lamb go through? He went through hell on earth for us. What are we willing to go through for Him? Do we refuse to be counted among those who the Bible describes as the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters and all liars who will not enter into heaven. You see, the New Jerusalem is the community of the redeemed. Those who have been saved by Jesus Christ. Christ followers will be there. Are you a Christ follower? I didn't ask, are you a Christian because we need to differentiate these days. Because every dog and his man is a Christian. Are you a Christ follower? How do we follow Christ? By being obedient to Him and loving others with all our hearts. Those who follow in this way are followers of Christ. And so as we follow Christ, we can persevere in adverse circumstances. We can persevere through persecution. We can refuse to conform to the secular values of our society today. We can speak out about it. We can speak the truth. We can be faithful followers of Jesus Christ because only those will enter into the city which has a temple. That temple is God Himself. And we will be in His midst and He will be with us. Amen. Zechariah 14, verse 5 to 9 says this. Zechariah, Old Testament, says this. The Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with Him. On that day there shall be no light, cold or frost. There shall this, and there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. We've seen the truths behind these things now, right? On that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea of half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day... The Lord will be one, and His name one. I look forward to that day. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You for giving us glimpses, glimpses only, of what it's going to be like when You return. And yet, Lord, we are bound to this earth for now. Our feet walk through the city every day. 
And we see people around us who still do not yet know Jesus Christ. And yet we have that message of freedom and truth in us. Lord, help us to open our mouths. Help us to open our homes and our lives so that others will see the love of Jesus Christ. So that others will hear that gospel message which says, Come to me and I will make your burdens light and I will take away that darkness which is in you and I, the God of lights, will become light and life in you. Lord, help us to take that message out with all the strength you give us while we have breath in our lungs and while we live. May we save, may we serve Jesus Christ and be true Christ followers, I pray. Keep our eyes on you and focus on those truths which seem impossible but with God are possible. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, God Almighty, will accomplish this. Amen.